Hi, listeners. Welcome to the She Speaks Life podcast, a weekly encouragement where we share our God stories. I'm your host, Jamie Elizabeth, and I am so glad you are spending time with us today to listen. Hi, friend. Welcome to this week's episode. I'm really excited to have Amanda with us. She has an incredible testimony about her faith when her world was tragically rocked by a virus that attacked her daughter's heart. Amanda has been so instrumental on social media in expressing her journey, and the best part is her influence of faith that she shares so candidly with followers on Instagram and Facebook in her Q&A on Wednesdays. Uh, Amanda, thank you so much for coming on here. It's an honor to have you. It's always an honor to share uh, what God has done. So thank you. Thank you for asking me to be here. Yes. And we have something in common. You lived in Southern California and now you're in Tennessee. And in Southern California, my sister lives there. I used to live there about eight years ago. And now my whole family is still there. And I heard about you through my sister with what an incredible journey you went on with your child being sick. I know any mom that would be one of the most tragic things that we could possibly think of in life. But how you use that as a voice on social media to build other people's faith and encourage them by taking them through the realities and the journey of what happens when your life falls apart. Who are you going to look to? And so I think people were just astonished by your faith and how you look to God to be in control when you're obviously feeling so out of control with what was going on. So I would love for you to share more about yourself and just kind of take us through that season in your life and just go from there. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think you hit the nail on the head. I always think about it like if you read through the Psalms, when the psalmist kind of starts with, Lord, why is this happening? It's all terrible. Where are you? You must be gone. There's no way this could happen. And then at the end of each Psalm, it kind of feels like they're talking themselves back into faith. But you are the one who set the stars in the sky and you are the one who I can depend on. And that's truly how it felt for us when we were walking through this horrific mother's nightmare situation, my family and I. So as you mentioned, uh, back in Mm -hmm. 2018, I was coming off the heels of a lot of things. I've kind of always said that like growing up in the church, God let me relax until my 30s. And then my 30s have just been like a swift nosedive of um, coming to terms with what I believe and what that actively looks like. So I had just come off of a court Mm -hmm. case for guardianship over a little girl that we have that we're raising that's not biological, where we had to testify against her mother. (laughs) And I was eight months pregnant at the time. And then I had this baby the next month. And then um, the month right after that, my biological three-year-old daughter went into heart failure. And obviously, she doesn't have a chronic CHD, no condition, nothing that would indicate we would need to watch her health. Um, she just had what I thought was a cold that continued to persist and then build. And at some point after three different ERs and a a bunch of different things, they found her in severe, severe heart failure. 
And so for the next, you know, three, mm-hmm. three and a half months, we walked this journey as a family where we had to lay down the life of our daughter every day and just say, Lord, your plan is so much bigger than our human life. And it's so much bigger than my daughter's human life. What are we going to let you do with this? Mm-hmm. And who are we going to be in this? So mm-hmm. that's really the posture that it started in. You know, I had been Instagramming before just a regular, normal mom stuff. And so I had a followers that were my friends. But mm-hmm. in those moments, when we started to share candidly about praying for our little girl, the word started to spread and we watched what I like to think of as, um, you know, God's purpose for the modern church. We watched people come to our side and use all of their gifts through intercessory prayer, Mm -hmm. financial support, every single type of gifting that God equips the church with was kind of rushed to our side in those moments. And for me as a mom, a normal mom with a normal Instagram account going from, you know, 800 followers to 75,000 <laughs> in a couple of weeks time was just like, mm, whoa. It, it was, it, it was such a surreal experience. The fact that even people felt moved to follow our journey and to pray for us was humbling to no end. It yeah. truly is. Like I said, it's like people using what God asked them to use and being willing to do it. Yes, that is so good. Like the truest of truest followers, right? That are really genuine and authentic. And yeah, that want to pray for you and want to know how your daughter is every day. That is so amazing. When you got the news, like take us into that day where you found out that she has got this virus that seemed to attack her heart. Um, when we first checked her into the ER, they knew it was heart failure, but they can't actually detect why. Um, the, the most common assumption is that it's a viral, but she had no sign of virus at the time. And I remember um, we checked into one ER and she had to take an ambulance ride to the children's hospital nearby. And I remember asking them, can't we just, you know, throw her in her car seat? <laughs> And they were like, ah, no, tried everything they could in their power to keep her stable and to um, get to a a place where they could heal forward from there for about five or six days before she had a life flight to a transplant center. For my husband and I, that was really the time where we felt like the most out of body experience we can have, because obviously we're not researched or studied at all on what it looks like to raise a person with a heart transplant or even know anything about the process. And from the moment her helicopter landed at uh, this hospital, we were like, it was like a crash course on everything, heart failure and everything heart transplant. And we were just like, oh my gosh, how are we already here? You know, a week ago, she was just like, with us at home. And now it's like, she's wrapped in wires and there's no access to her. There's no snuggling. There's, I mean, it was definitely very, very overwhelming. That was probably for us the lowest moment. And again, at the time when she checked in, I had a seven week old baby. So not, not the easiest Mm -hmm. thing to go through at the time, just timing wise, but we're living to tell the tale. (laughs) Oh my goodness. How many kids do you have? We have four children. Okay. Wow. And they're all under the age of our oldest is eight. And then we have two that are the same age, five now. So my biological daughter that has a heart transplant and um, my legal guardianship daughter, they're the same age. They're 11 days apart. And then we have a two-year-old son. So they're all three, almost three years exactly. (laughs) Yeah. It was a lot. Oh my gosh. I could not imagine. Yes. Okay. So you're getting the news at the hospital 
And when did you did you start like filming your every day and putting it on social media? And how are you feeling at that time? Are you instantly feeling God's peace overwhelm you? Or was it kind of just the struggle of the ups and downs? I mean, of course, we have good days, bad days. But if you want to just take us through your emotions that you're experiencing at that time. I definitely felt like it was overwhelming in all the ways. There was a way that, in my opinion, and I don't know if my husband would say the same thing, but there was like a way that we were unpenetrable, if you will. Like nothing was really able Mm -hmm. to sink in and truly uproot me. I remember thinking so many times, um, I shouldn't feel Mm -hmm. this normal. Like I shouldn't feel like I should, Mm -hmm. I can be myself and also be in this devastated place because obviously it's very devastating. Um, And things did go in waves, of course. We just kind of felt like at the beginning, you know, before we had all these people watching us, the whole world watching us, we just felt like, hey, this is going to be the easiest thing to do because here we're in the intensive care unit, pediatric ICU with our daughter and um, text messaging every person individually is just never going to be on the priority list. And so we started posting to Instagram, like a little update, just a picture of her and saying like, Hey, she's not eating. She's not able to keep down food. We're going to try this medication. We're going to see what happens and if she can get stable. And in the first couple of weeks, the nights were so long. It was like the most, you know, if you think about actual spiritual attack night, like um, metaphoric night, her metaphorical and literal night were at the same time, like all the attack, all the emotional upheaval. No one is sleeping. She cannot get stable. We're watching these nurses like flip on the room lights Mm. and a whole team of doctors comes in and they're just like trying to save her life. And, um, that was probably our experience 24 hours a day for the first two weeks of this, this time. And it felt like such an interesting thing. There are so many ways the Lord protected us really, because when we were there in the ICU, you know, you start to meet and talk to other parents. And so many of them, the way they find out about heart failure is that they have a child, have a heart attack in their arms. And I'm just like, Lord, your mercy and your grace Mm -hmm. that she didn't experience that, that she didn't, that I took it seriously. And I didn't just keep writing off the doctors that told me it was a head cold, all the things that go with, Mm this, this type of illness that can creep up unexpectedly. So, you know, um, Instagram became this practical outlet for us. It wasn't really intended to be anything other than a place for me to verbally, you know, write out the the processing and, and what was happening in me emotionally. Like, Hey, this is what we need to see. But guess what? Even if we don't see it, I have to operate under the assumption mm-hmm. that God loves her more than me. And he might just love her differently than me. And that's really hard, really hard. Mm-hmm. What's this virus called and how does it, it just comes unexpectedly. It doesn't come from anything at all. What is it exactly? They don't know the source of her heart failure. Actually, they, um, there's a couple different ways you can be affected by heart failure. One of them is of course, having a CHD that you're born with any type of heart defect. Another way is genetic, a genetic component. We tested for that, um, both my husband and I and our other kids, and there's nothing that um, is genetic. So those two ways were ruled out, which leaves viral. In their opinion, it's viral because it was also chronic, which means they think that it kind of progressed over a long period of time. And it was so severe at the point that they caught it, there was no virus active in her system. So it's kind of like, they're like, well, she might show antibodies for this, but that can mean she had it yeah. any time in her life. So they, they really couldn't figure out the source, mm, which is what yeah. took us so by surprise. Yeah. They operate in this system where they don't really care what caused it as much as they do stopping it when it's happening. 
Mm, Wow. Once you kind of felt like, oh, she's getting out of the woods or, you know, maybe right before you felt like she was getting out of the woods, like what are some things that you could share with the listeners as to what you did to uh, keep that faith going strong? I know when tragedy hits our life and, you know, obviously most of the time it's unexpected and it comes out of nowhere. And whether it be, you know, your child being ill, financial, you you lose your job, relational, marriage, spouse walks out, whatever it is, what can you do or how can you share from your own experience what you did each day to really just hold on to God and hold on to your faith? So for me, I would say in those situations, whatever they look like, because they are all trauma and they are all tragedy. um, It was the active like sloughing off of expectation on myself. Like I, there Mm -hmm. is no A, B and C for everyone. It always looks different. And so for me, the way that the enemy get in and attack is to say, you made it through the day and you didn't even actively set aside time to pray or you didn't read the word or all these other things that we think we should be doing. But some of those days we're just not up to it. And my goodness, do I feel like God Mm -hmm. knows that (laughs) I think he knows it and he honors it. And you know, on my best and worst days in those situations, my prayers would just be when I laid my head down and said, God, and that's it. You think all the thoughts that go after that. I want her life to be saved. I want to be out of the hospital. I want to be at my kid's play that I can't be at. All the other things that follow after, just the fact that you're saying his name and you're recognizing that he's Lord and he knows. So it's really Mm -hmm. easy to come at yourself even with these expectations of what these trauma times need to look like. But there is so much freedom in Mm -hmm. knowing that God will work with what we will give him and he can use all the pieces to bring good from it. Because the way that I can say that now, I also can look at someone who's walking through a divorce and say that, or I can look at someone who's walking through something similar with a child or with a spouse and say that and say, you know, you can take all the Mm -hmm. expectations off. God is still going to be there in it. He doesn't hold you to the same standards you're going to try and hold yourself to here. Yeah, that is so good. There's so many of us that each morning we get so busy and then shame enters in and you're like, oh, I didn't spend time with God. And Mm -hmm. I know one morning was so impactful for me. I was pouring a cup of coffee and I just felt like it was my emotions and my feelings were getting in the way from having a quiet time with God. And I, like you were saying, I just didn't feel like it. And I instantly could feel that the Holy Spirit was saying, but I want to spend time with you. And when I looked at it that way, I was like, oh my gosh, all of a sudden the posture, my heart, my emotions and my feelings just started to align with what God wanted. And so I, ever since then, I always share that because we always think it's I, 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 me, me, me having to do, do, do for God. And if we just look at the way God's heart is and how much he loves us unconditionally. It's him wanting to spend time with us. And then we're more apt to go, oh, yeah, you know what? I'm going to go and sit down now and talk to you about what's going on. Because obviously, whatever emotion feeling, it was trying to disconnect with my intimacy, you know, the quiet time with him. And so he wanted to hear it. God wants to hear everything we're feeling. And like you're saying, he'll meet us right where we're at. (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. 
And then did you start then these Wednesday Q&As? I would love for you to share more about that and your influence and impact. I know you have such an impact on my sister and all these moms. And you're saying it was people who weren't women or men of faith. They were just asking you, you know, questions about it. So you were in a way evangelizing about uh, Christianity and what that even means. So would you love to share more about those Q&As and anything else that you do? Yeah. So I do something called Wonder Wednesday, where I answer questions that people write in on Instagram in my stories on Wednesdays. And that actually started after we were released from the hospital when my daughter had gotten her heart transplanted. And we thought it kind of came out of, it was birthed out of the idea that we had no idea what to expect with a heart transplant. And now we have all these people watching. Maybe I could just answer all their questions in one place instead of one by one as they write them to me in comments and in messages. Things like, oh, how many medications does she take? Is she ever going to be able to have kids? Is she always going to be on these medications? What does it look like? And to my surprise, there were those questions, but there were so many more. What does God say about, or am I bad if, or what would you do in this situation? Mm-hmm. And people pouring out their personal lives where I thought, well, gosh, I've been given this platform. I didn't realize how much I've been given this platform and how much it extended beyond the little girl that was in my care. So I've been doing that since mm-hmm. about just about January 2019, right after we got released from the hospital. And sometimes I take a week off here or there just because life is crazy. But for the most part, I try to really honor that time yeah. and engage the community and be authentically connected to Jesus so that I can tell them so much of our society mm-hmm. is missing who Jesus is, me included. I want to know his heart. I want to search his heart and I want to challenge myself to to re- meet him, re-present him to other people, mm-hmm. reintroduce him um, to my own yeah. heart and really think through why I believe what I believe. And Wonder Wednesday has been a great way for me to do that even to myself. That's awesome. Are they lives or do you ask people questions and they send them in? How does it work? I usually put up a question box in my stories and people will write them in. I have done live videos before. I actually started that um, last year around this time. And I did it for several weeks, but I just haven't done it recently. I've heard mixed reviews on both because people want to be able to read the words and not have to listen. And so it kind of goes back and forth, but I think they're both valuable because there's something to be said about putting a face and a name with the answers given to. Yeah. It takes a lot of time, honestly, with that Instagram, social media stuff. And when you got four kids to raise, I mean, mine are teenagers, less dependent on me. And I'm still just trying to post what I can. It takes a lot of time, but wow, you've really had a definite outreach there with the community through your social media. And that's exactly what I love about the social media aspect. You know, it's like we can choose how we want our feed. We can choose who we're following or who's following us. And I make sure that things are encouraging and they speak life. I think a lot of people, if they get tied up with a news feed, 
and they start to see some comparison or jealousy issues. I know the younger generation kind of struggle with that because they're following those YouTuber people, influencers. I can see why that is just completely making them feel not good about themselves. So I definitely encourage people, hey, like change your feed. Like I'm constantly Mm. telling my daughter, just you need to change it if that's how you're starting to feel because having it be influential to you in a biblical way, like what you're doing is amazing. And it's definitely shifting the negative label that social media has. Yeah. I mean, for me, it's hard because I understand that social media can be so consuming. And I even experienced that. You know, we were on the other end of that. Not that I was posting a lot, but when I was trying to engage people and even when people were praying for us, they would say, oh my gosh, I've been waiting all day for an update. And I know what that looks like, but in terms of our life, it's been such a blessing because it's somewhere where I can come and speak freely. You know, now I post a lot about motherhood and, um, you know, raising four kids and trying to do things where they can connect themselves to Jesus Mm -hmm. or what Jesus is teaching me through my current events instead of my past events or both. And for Mm -hmm. us, it's truly been a tool, uh, still that same outlet, still that same community and still a way that God is working. It's not true for everyone, but it's been really true for us. So good. What was the most major thing that this whole season that you went and taught you? And what's something encouraging you can say to moms with younger kids on how to disciple them? I would say the thing that's been the most surprising, like culture shock almost, is everyone knows how little control we have. But truly the idea that I am supposed to trust God with my children's lives. And I mean that in every aspect, that if my three-year-old had died and gone to heaven, um, that's a good plan of his. Yikes. That's hard to say. Um, And more than that, that if my three-year-old had died and gone to heaven, that's actually okay for my oldest daughter to experience that. And it's okay for her sister that's the same age Mm. to experience that. And it's okay for her brother to grow up like that. Mm -hmm. That feels not okay. I don't want to be okay with that. And so there was a lot of me that had to realize that as much as I'm, you know, I have my prayer hands, I also have to have my hands open because none of us are going to live forever. And as much as we know that, I watched the world come alongside my daughter's journey. And at some point we realized, my husband and I, this has so little to do with the result of her staying alive or going to heaven. This is now a journey of 70,000 people that are following along who are just experiencing faith walked out. And I am not in any means claiming that I did it well. It may look on Instagram like I did it pretty great. I don't know. But I'll tell you that living it, of course, is different than what you're posting about it. And there's plenty of stories in the Bible of people who have done similar where you're like, oh, we're going to take this snippet of their life and it sounds good. And then I love that the Lord allowed so much in scripture of all the things they did bad before and after that, because that really makes me feel related to. <laughs> but the idea that we have control, yeah. <laughs> it's upsetting and it's also mm-hmm. so freeing because we either, he, we say that he's God and that we trust him with the question mark that comes or we don't because we want control ourselves. And we even Mm -hmm. for one minute think that we could do better by doing different. I've really learned how to hold my kids loosely because of that. Like their story is their own. I don't get to say how my eight-year-old 
experience as worry now because of what happened three years ago. I don't get to say how my two-year-old experiences separation anxiety now because he was separated from me so often in the hospital when he was two months old. There are just things that have effect Mm -hmm. in this broken world. And I don't want that for my kids, but I can't escape it. I just have to trust that God is still going to make good in it. That's so good. I love that. Exactly how we all need to live. I like that how you said you're praying, but at the same time, hands were open. You're in surrender heart posture of whatever happens, Lord, is going to happen and trusting you. But obviously, it's going to be a lot to handle if it goes this way, the way I don't want it to go. And so obviously, you're praying for the better. And tell us about the the miracle part of her healing. Was it just gradual over time or was it just instantly? We were really, really praying that her heart would heal on its own. Um, that was our big, bold prayer to the point for where for a week we had taken her off the transplant list. We were just like, this is what the Lord is going to do. We had story after story flooding our mm-hmm. Instagram inboxes of people who had been on similar. She was placed on an LVAD device to pump her heart for her because of her heart failure. And we had had heard all these stories Mm -hmm. of kids who had been able to heal their heart if they were on it for a certain amount of time. And so we were like, we're in it for the long haul. Her heart's going to heal. We know God's going to do this. And instead, at the perfect time, because he always does things at the perfect time, uh, she ended up with a heart transplant. And we watched that emotional experience because when we found out there was a heart for her, we put her on the transplant list Mm -hmm. in faith that God was going to provide perfectly either way. Either no heart would come in because she wasn't meant to get a transplant or a perfectly timed heart would come in. And so we got the call. Hey, there's a heart here for her. We're going to have her have a transplant. And I immediately felt sick to my stomach. You're dealing with the disappointment mm-hmm. because you can't control the situation or, okay, I, I just continued to pray. Okay, God, I don't even care if they wheel her all the way down to the operating room. You can make that heart go bad. And like, if it's not her time, it's not her heart, then we're not going to worry. You have the authority here. But in the 40-ish hours between when we said yes to the heart transplant and when she was actually in surgery, we watched her health decline so rapidly to where the day of her surgery, we were just begging them to take her back. I mean, she was suffering. And when I say that, I mean that out of knowing how kind and faithful God is because I could have transplanted her and always wondered, if she would have healed on her own. And now I'm at the point where I'm like, I'm just thankful she's alive. That transplant was everything we had prayed for it to be perfectly timed, the perfect heart, God's abundant provision. And then in his kindness, he showed us what her life would have continued to look like if we had not said yes. So, you know, sometimes leaps of faith look Mm -hmm. different than you want them to. And sometimes People have to turn their disappointment about the situation and understand that we're allowed to have the feeling of disappointment. But I actually think that that's really valuable for other people to see us go through also because we get to say that and then we still get to say, yeah, but God, I know who you are and you're good. Yeah. Wow. So good. Oh my goodness. What a journey, how much your faith is built up and how much you just trust in God. There's That's something you can always go back in hindsight and remember and thank God you provided 
with a heart transplant. I know you can provide with this and that yes. because it's going to be never ending until we're on the other side there and up in heaven. So what is some wisdom you can share with other mommies? I would say what I've learned and kind of uh, clung to the most is the idea that our the questions our kids have and the questions we have don't have to be scary. You know how you'll hear of little kids who are like, well, I don't want to go to heaven because I don't want to leave you. And yes, like I, I want to always allow those emotions and those feelings to be part of our human nature that God made on purpose, right? He gave them to us and they're still a gift. And so mm-hmm. instead of saying, oh, you'll feel differently and dismissing it, I really try to honor the relationship that I have mm-hmm. with my children when they say things like that, or when they say, well, I don't know if I believe in Jesus because I can't see him. We get to sit with that and say, okay, well, do we not believe in everything we don't see? And we don't have to say it in a way that we take personally any accusation to our faith. This life of faith, mm-hmm. I think every adult that's had any number of years in faith would say it ebbs and flows for a reason. And again, in the gift of the Bible, when we get to teach them scripture, we look at people like Paul, who ebbed and flowed, and Peter, who ebbed and flowed, and David, and mm-hmm. Abraham, and all the other people that are in there that are supposed to be our examples. And they ebbed and they flowed. And guess what? They were still written about in scripture because, um, you know, David was a man after God's own heart. Mm-hmm. We, we're learning about them and we're able to teach our kids in a way that's relatable to them. So, To me, it feels like every single thing my kids bring at me, I want to say, I bet you there's a Bible story for that, that will make you feel known and seen because God's dealt with this before. Mm, So good. Wow, Amanda. Thank you. So influential. (laughs) And I'm loving this miracle story that you shared and what an impact you're having on others of how good God is and how he truly turns everything into good. Where can people connect with you? I am on Instagram still at Amanda Hour, my first and last name. And I have a Facebook page also, which I think just links to my Instagram. So Instagram is truly the best way to follow along and engage with me. See me on Wednesdays in my stories. Yes. What is it? Wonder Wednesdays? Yes. Yeah. Awesome. All right. Well, thanks, Amanda, for coming on here and sharing your story. We loved hearing about how good our God is. And thank you for speaking life. Absolutely. Thank you for asking me. Thank you so much for listening today. I trust that God has encouraged you through this message. For more information on this ministry and to access free downloads, please visit my website at jamieelizabeth.com and sign up. You can also find me on Instagram and Facebook at jamieelizabethshespeakslife. That's J-A-Y-M-E Elizabeth She Speaks Life. Until next time, my friends, I pray God reveals himself through your own life story.